Hello, fantasy literature students. I am so excited to be here sharing with you The Princess Bride. This is going to be a really good time. Now, I'm calling this episode episode zero because we're actually not going to be starting with chapter one, but rather in the prologue. Now, in Alloy of Law, our last book, it seemed really important to me for us to read the prologue because it's where we really learned about Waxillian Ladrian. Um, however, in The Princess Bride, it's not quite as important to read the prologue word for word. My students, in fact, frequently read this, and then they realize that they're not going to enjoy the book. Now, with that being said, what I'm going to do is make sure that you know right off that this is really not a part of the story. I'm going to set everything up for you. I'm not going to read the prologue word for word, but I am going to tell you some interesting things that are going to help set the scene for you, because it is necessary for you to know sort of what we're dealing with. So here's a bit about the prologue of The Princess Bride, S. Morgenstern's classic tale of true love and high adventure, as adapted by William Goldman. This book is going to be written from William Goldman's perspective. He is going to be abridging it for us. Now, if you don't know what the word abridge means, um, essentially what it means is you take out things that are deemed unnecessary and you shorten it. It's sort of like building a bridge between the things you think are most important and skipping over those other things. And that's essentially what William Goldman is going to do for us. In fact, as you learn early in the book, he says, this is my favorite book, although I have never read it. Now, what that means is this. When William Goldman was about 10 years old, he was a student in a wonderful teacher's class. But what he was finding was, even though he was very, very smart, and even though he really did know the material, he couldn't seem to make it really work for him. He just wasn't the typical sort of student that everybody thinks about in terms of really sitting down and being able to answer test questions and that sort of thing. He was very bright, but that's just not what his mind wanted to focus on. He was interested in sports. So one day he was sitting at his house and he was getting really frustrated because he was trying to turn the radio over so he could listen to his football game. But for whatever reason, the radio wouldn't work for him and it wasn't getting the football game. So he started yelling about it, and his mom said, William, what's going on? And he said, well, I can't get the football game. And she said, it's Friday. It's not Saturday. You're not going to get the football game. And he said, oh, of course, that's right. It's Friday. Well, then a little bit later after that, he started tuning the radio, and once again, he was realizing he couldn't get the football game. And he was furious. Why isn't the stupid radio working? And again, his mom said, honey, there's no football game today. It's, you're waiting for Saturday, but today is Friday. And it was in those moments that he realized something wasn't quite right. It turned out, actually, that he was coming down with pneumonia. Now, in those days, pneumonia wasn't something that you would just be able to recover from easily at home. It was something where you would certainly be in the hospital for an extended visit, probably a few weeks. And then after that, you'd have to recover in your home for an additional few weeks. And so he was sitting at home, bored out of his mind, when his father came into the room and said he was going to read to him. Now, something you should know about William Goldman's father is that he was from a, a place called Florin. He was Florinese, and he was a first-generation immigrant. He had never quite mastered English, and though he tried, it just wasn't really working for him. And so when he said that he was going to read a book to his son, what he meant was that he was going to read a book that was written in Florinese, and he was going to try to get it translated into English.
Now, that kind of sounds like it might be a struggle and it might be really difficult, but this story was so interesting to William Goldman, who had always been a terrible reader before that, that he fell in love with it. He absolutely loved this story. And for years and years after this, he would ask his father to read different parts of the book to him, but he himself would never touch the book because it was such an interesting and special connection between him and his father, he didn't want to ruin it by picking up the book himself. So his father read him this book in this broken Florinese accent and did everything he could. And like I said, William Goldman absolutely fell in love with this book. In fact, after this, he became an avid reader. He would read absolutely anything suggested to him. Well, skip ahead a few decades, and now he is significantly older, and he is creating things like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, which is also his. Uh, and he was really making himself a place in this world. He was really doing some pretty cool stuff. Now, at this point, he was married, and he had a son who was just about to turn 10 years old, but William Goldman was on vacation. And Goldman realized that his son was about to turn 10, and so he looked quickly into the yellow pages, because again, this is back some years, and he found as many bookshops as possible around his house and called them and said, hey, do you have an English translation of The Princess Bride? It's very important that I get this to my son. And regardless of how many times he asked, everybody said, no, we don't carry that. No, that's not interesting. No, nobody ever wants to read that book. Everybody seemed to have a different excuse. Well, finally, somebody was able to say, yes, they had it, but it was closing time. It was cold. The weather was bad. There was just simply no way that they were going to, he was going to be able to get this book for his son. And so what he found out, he devised a plan. He called his lawyer, who was back where he usually lives rather than on the trip with him, and said, hey, I, you know what? You need to go get this book for me. And the lawyer knew, for whatever reason, something in his tone. He knew he needed to follow William Goldman's advice. And so he went to this bookstore and picked up the book for his son and brought it to his house. Now, fast forward a few days, a few weeks, um, William Goldman has returned home. His son has celebrated his 10th birthday. Um, and, and Goldman is so excited to talk to him about this book so they can bond over it, just like he did with his father. Well, okay. So he started talking to his son. He said, tell me about the book. Did you like it? And his son said, oh yeah, sure. It was, it was good. And Goldman said, well, tell me about what was your favorite part? And so the, his son told him about his favorite part, which just so happened to be in the first chapter of the book. And Goldman realized, similarly to how I sometimes realize when I'm partway through grading essays for your class, that you maybe actually only read the first chapter, or maybe a little bit more than that. And Golden was so downtrodden. He was really hurt by this. He's like, how did you not love this book? It's so good. And his wife said, you know what? Please leave our son alone. He tried. He did the best he could. He just couldn't get into it. So Goldman started talking to his wife about it, and she said it just was not interesting to him. So Goldman picks up the book that he had sent so specifically to his son for his 10th birthday and starts reading through it. And he realizes it's awful. There's so much unnecessary information. And what he discovered in those moments was that what his father had done was he had abridged the book for his son. He only put in what he called the good parts. And so 
Goldman decided he wanted to have the world experience this story just in the same way that he had experienced it as a child. And so he talked to his publishers and he did this whole thing and he got the S. Morgenstern estate to agree and he was set on abridging The Princess Bride for us, um, what, what we call the good parts version. And that's what we're going to be reading is only the good parts of The Princess Bride. Now, um, this is an exciting thing because all of this has been really, really boring. I understand that. Um, but this is all important stuff in the prologue and I will tell you why. Everything that William Goldman has laid out in the prologue, really everything I've told you throughout this entire eight and a half minute segment so far, has been a lie. Here's what I mean. S. Morgenstern, who wrote The Princess Bride, never existed, and certainly never wrote a book called The Princess Bride. William Goldman, though he was at one point in his life ten years old, and although he probably was sick at some point when he was 10 years old, did not pick up this book and have his Florinese father read it to him. How does that work? Well, first of all, his father's not a first-generation immigrant from anywhere. Second, Florin doesn't exist. And third, his father wouldn't have had an accent. Every bit of it was fabricated. In fact, when he was older, the story he tells about how he got his 10-year-old son this book, that too is not true. His children are two girls. He doesn't even have a son. Rather, William Goldman has two daughters. And the true story behind this book is that once, when he was putting his two daughters to sleep, he said, well, daughters, girls, what is it you would like me to tell you a story about? And one daughter said, I want a story about a princess. And the other said, I want a story about a bride. And that's the true story of where the princess comes from. And so with that knowledge, I want you to keep in mind that so much of what William Goldman is going to do within this story, and he will so frequently put his own voice into this story, you mustn't believe him. There is no Florin, there is no Gilder, there are no giants or R.O.U.S.'s. All of these things are simply figments of our imagination, but the web will be wound so specifically, so intricately, that I can almost assure you, you will fall into the trap. So with that in mind, let's get started with The Princess Bride, not written by S. Morgenstern, not his classic tale of true love and high adventure, but simply The Princess Bride by William Goldman.